Welcome to the British English Podcast with myself, Charlie Baxter, the show helping you learn British English and understand British culture. And today we're looking at it through the perspective of a Russian person, because I have a friend in Moscow, roughly speaking Moscow, I should say. But uh, I made friends with this person uh, two years ago. And uh, they helped me uh, set up a workshop when I came to Moscow to teach some lovely um, YouTube followers. And uh, it was amazing. And we've kept in touch since. And I thought it'd be fantastic to get her on the show uh, to better understand how Russian people um, see British people and uh, because she went to the UK at one point. So we're going to get into it. And her name is Anya. Hello, Anya. How are you today? Hello. Hello, Charlie. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on this podcast. Ah, I'm really happy to see you. (laughs) Ah, nice. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's lovely to see your face. (laughs) So um, I I, I should say you also do your own podcast, don't you? Yeah. So parents and for um, not only for teachers, for educators, for every person who is somehow connected to education, educating children educating children okay yeah because you're very busy on your instagram um has your podcast distracted you a little bit and you're keeping more busy on your podcast than your instagram now or what do you do yeah 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 i actually spend lots of my free time uh recording and interviewing people and then um yeah, reading about those people who uh, I'm going to interview, like preparing. Yeah, lots of my time. Lots. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, can imagine. I, I think that you know what I'm talking about because <laughs> it just takes ages. <laughs> it does take a while, doesn't it? Yeah. Takes a lot longer than you think. This episode comes with a free worksheet over on the website, thebritishenglishpodcast.com. So grab that and you can listen along whilst using it. Um, and, and you've just had a, a a child, or you've got a nine-month-old baby girl. Yeah, right? is that right? Yeah, baby girl, yeah. Paulina. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and before uh, starting this recording, uh, you were saying that uh, her name is Paulina, and uh, you were trying to tell me the difference between our nicknames, the way that we would maybe say a term of endearment like um, sweetie or um, darling. You have, you have an extension of, of the name, is that right? Yeah, extension. This is the word. I'm not sure that this is a nickname. Nickname, this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is usually uh, another word, not always connected to the name. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, often a nickname comes from um, your school um, yeah. and your, your friends give you these nasty nicknames yeah. that you can't lose yes. even after yeah. 20 years of a reunion. They still call you sheep shagger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but we have these extensions to our names. And uh, yeah, so there are so many versions, but not of all names, I believe. Okay. Yeah. But Paulina, that could be, what could, would, what extensions could we have? We, we call her uh, Palusha, Palinochka, Polinka. Okay. So, yeah, so it sounds you know, like nice. just a 
a Russian suffix just thrown on the end of the word. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So what could mine be? Chalishke. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Or Chaliko. Would that work? Yeah, I guess. Why not? Yeah. Chalinka. Chalika. Chalika. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, when I went to um, Chile, I immediately got my name changed to Calito. And I learned oh, Ito was like small or something, little. And I was offended. I was like, no, I'm a strong individual. You know, were, no, you're uh -huh. Calito. Calito. It's like Carlos, and they're like, no, 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 Calito, si, Calito, <laughs> muy bien. I was like, Because, so, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. I believe a British version of Palina could be Polly. Polly, yeah, yeah. A British a, name, right, Polly. Polly. Yeah, Polina is, is quite a, a Russian name, though, isn't it? Like, I've met quite a few Polina, um, Polinas I, in Russia. Yes, I guess. I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> like, we have, you know, traditional Russian names, like Ivan, uh, Kolya, Nikolai. I believe that my name is a traditional Russian name, Polina. Maybe it's... Uh, yours, it yours being Anya bit... or Anna, sorry. I like Anya. Anya. You like Anya. You call but... me Anya, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anya. yeah. I've met a lot of Ilyas. And mm -hmm. um, Sergis, I think that's the most common two yeah, names I hear yeah, in Russian. Yeah, yeah. But mm -hmm. anyway, so um, we're here to better understand um, British isms, British culture, British language through the eyes of yourself. Um, yeah. So you have had experience going to England, but also, I mean, your English is amazing, and you've been practicing English for, I assume, the majority of your life, and you're an English teacher. Um, do you focus more on British English or, or um, American English? Just wanted to interrupt this episode to let you know about something rather exciting that I am running over on the British English Podcast.com. I have created a seven day challenge full of fun and unique activities that will get your blood pumping if you really enjoy getting actively involved in learning English. And to really incentivize you, I'm going to be turning this challenge into a competition amongst you all. So the people that put the most effort into this one week of activities every day will be getting some prizes. I'm not going to say any more right now, but if you are interested, then head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com, find the courses tab in the menu bar, and you'll see the seven day challenge or find the link in the show notes of this episode. There are some terms and conditions that I explain in full on the webpage for this course, but the main thing to remember is it's going to be a live course, meaning it starts for everyone at a certain date. So head over there now to sign up and get ready for it to begin before you miss your chance to get really active with some fun and engaging ways to learn English for a whole week and then be in the chance of winning some fan-bloody-tastic prizes.
Um, do you focus more on British English or, or um, American English? <laughs> I just yeah. got a glimpse of your family. How lovely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm an English teacher and I'm a fan of British English, but I haven't realized it until recently because I just um, wasn't focusing on it. So I just didn't see the difference, I guess. I just didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started learning English when I was at school and I was like uh, maybe 16 or 15. I mean, okay. I had a private tutor, so since then. But I have a long break from English before I became a teacher. Okay. So uh, I went to England to uh, brush up on my English, basically. Right. And um, I know and that you're familiar that? with the. I went there in 2014. Okay. Yeah, so it was a long time ago. It seems like a different life, <laughs> another life now. <laughs> yeah, and I went there with uh, English first. I know that ah. you know this organization because I listened to you and uh, Martin <laughs> on his yeah, podcast recently. Fantastic. Yes, so I went to Bristol. And um, as I had friends there, I have friends there, so I decided to spend uh, a little bit more time there in England and to travel through England. So first I went to London, spent a couple of days there. Then I went to Bristol for two weeks. And then I went to, um, um, what is, to Wales. Wales, Wales? yeah, Wales. Wales, Mm -hmm. yes. I... Cardiff? What, what is Cardiff? Yes, I went to mm-hmm. Cardiff to visit my friend. And then I went to Milam, which is in the mm-hmm. southeast of Cumbria. Can you say it again? Milam. Milam. Is it a small town? Yeah, yes, it's a small town. About uh, 8,000 people live there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have. Uh, family living there there we we talk um we've known each other for i don't know how many years maybe 10 or even more when i first visited uh spain it was my first time abroad i met a lovely family there and since then we just uh, started communicating through email first then facebook then whatsapp and then finally uh, i visited them so it was, you know, a long journey, like through uh, England. And the interesting, the interesting thing is that I've, I started with London, like the biggest uh, city. Then I moved to Bristol, Cardiff, and then almost a village. But it's not a village, Milam. It's it's a town. I googled how, it. How do you spell it? M I L M I L L O M. O-M. Oh, yeah, here we go. Town in England. Yeah, so a town. I can't say that I've I've certainly not been to Milham. So it's opposite the Isle of Man. Oh, okay, so it's quite far north. I saw Manchester from the train. <laughs> you went I through remember. It? You went through <laughs> so, Manchester, yeah. yeah. I would imagine yes. you would go through there and you, you'd see the Lake District as well because it's just yes. south of the Lake District. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Did you manage to really... see the Lake District, like walk... Through some of the national yeah, park we area? walked we walked through these uh, th- through many we, we we visited many lakes and we saw 
the sea. I'm not very good at geography, but I remember that we walked along the sea or maybe, no, it was not the sea. Why sea? Lake. Well, it, there's it lots of lakes in Lake District, yes. hence the name. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so you could be looking out to the Irish Sea, but that would be more... Maybe. Um, no. Right on the edge. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say that you were enjoying the lakes. Yeah, yeah. And I saw many vans. Uh, what do you call them? People live inside of them. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It's the um, thing yeah, in, a van. in England. Yeah, yeah a van. A van. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I remember that I was really surprised because it's not uh, so common in Russia. Like people sometimes travel in vans to save some money. I mean, through Russia. But they don't usually live in them. And I remember my friend telling me that it's quite expensive to buy mm. a van. Well, yeah, it, de- it depends because... We're not talking about caravans for the listeners. It's um, it's it's like a a van that is used typically in commercial industries, like in building and stuff, and or like mm-hmm. tracking parcels and taking them everywhere. But yeah, so they convert them into basically like um, a travel home in just a van, which yeah can be quite expensive. I've seen lots of YouTube videos on how to do it, and um, it certainly looks like a, a an almighty task to do it. Um, mm-hmm. but quite popular, especially in Canada and in, in the north of America. Um, loads of people do it. And yeah, as you said, you saw it in the Lake District. Yeah. 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 So one thing that amazed me is that it was, remember, it was 2014. Right. And um, I remember that one day I woke up uh, and I saw um a car outside that was collecting uh, rubbish okay. from the street. Okay. And you have uh, bins for every particular, like you, you do recycle, you do recycle, you recycle. <laughs> yes, we recycle. Yeah. yeah. Does Russia, Russia not recycle? No, it's not now. Like some people, for example, my family, I mean, my husband and I, not all my family, yeah. we do that. But uh, it's really difficult, especially if you don't live in Moscow or maybe in some other uh, big cities like St. Petersburg, because we don't have uh, conditions for that. Like people don't uh, okay. care about right. the environment in general. So, for example, uh, at the moment we um, gather like all this paper and plastic in Mm -hmm. uh, different bags. And then um, we choose, we pick a day and my husband goes uh, and uh, looks for uh, this big rubbish bins in town. (laughs) Oh my God, this is so much effort. Yeah, it's not in every yard and it's not... Like, it, it's not, people don't actually know about this option, that it is possible to do in our town, but people don't know about it. And I believe that basically people throw in this rubbish bins everything. Right. I, I'm sure. Wow. Yeah, so it was, it was um, amazing when I saw that for me. And I thought, well, I am in a small town with 8,000 people 
in it. And in Russia, we have big, I live in a bigger town and we don't have this option because it is just not possible. People just don't know about it. People just don't talk about it. And our government doesn't care. So in Moscow, yes, I know. It's the government's thing. It's it's to do with the government to sort it all out. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think it's fair to expect everyone to pick a a random day and and go around looking for these big bins. But yeah, Yeah. it's quite normal to have these recycling bins in in most gardens in the UK or most um, properties. Yeah. So now my husband is thinking of buying these recycling bins and they are quite expensive. I mean, buying just for us because they are bigger, of course, and it's more uh, convenient to throw rubbish there than in our normal bins. And they are quite expensive. So we are trying to find something cheaper, but (laughs) cheaper usually means uh, not so good quality so yeah it's, it's difficult it's difficult okay, and okay. uh you know that with mm, not every person would think about it not every family of course because yeah. they have other, other things, things to, to, to worry about yeah so yeah, okay yeah. so if you move to the uk you can look forward to the government providing you with premium quality <laughs> recycling bins with no extra cost <laughs> Yeah, I, I would uh, I would love to, by the way, I would love to live in the UK for some time. Yeah, the recycling utopia. No, I don't think it is, actually. Uh, I've lived in Germany and America and now Australia. Um, and I would say that uh, Germany was hot on their recycling. They're, they're probably best known for it. America, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia, a little bit. But apparently they're not great. But um, yeah. I'd say Germany are the best with their recycling matters. They take it quite mm-hmm. seriously. When we moved there, we had this like expat um, host or person that showed us what to do. And I would say 30% of the induction was about recycling. She was like, you put mm-hmm. this thing in this recycling bag, this thing, this, like went on for, for quite a while. But yeah, so um, not the best of the best in the UK, but probably, um, you know, maybe better than Russia at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So this was the first thing that (laughs) amazed me. (laughs) So you you were like, yeah, no, I'm lying. Your cousins or your (laughs) your family members, and you're like, I'm so impressed with your recycling situation. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But the first thing that mm, amazed me was uh, the number of times that I heard the word "sorry" starting from the airport. Yeah, okay. it's like again, it's so unusual for me as for a Russian girl. I don't mean to say that Russians are rude people, but I know that uh, some people in the world think about it because um, we don't smile a lot. Yeah, and sometimes people, I know that we discussed it that people uh, around the world may think that we are rude and not friendly. I don't think it's true. I think it doesn't depend on the country. It just depends on the person. And in every country, there are people who, I don't know, have bad mood or, I don't know, just angry or... Yeah, I, I, would, I would say it's more to do with like the level of expressiveness that's normal. And just because you're not smiling doesn't mean that you're the same level of happy as somebody yeah. who's brought up to be quite expressive. So... Yeah. Yeah, I would assume it's like that. Um, But you noticed sorry was a lot more frequent. And then does that mean that 
so apologizing is not part of Russian culture too much? Does it show a sign of weakness instead of politeness? Yeah, I think so. But I believe that this is, this is the thing where we could um, grow a little bit. I mean, saying sorry to each other. For example, if you just uh, walk around along the street and somebody touches you accidentally, not on purpose, just accidentally, <laughs> and he, uh, he or she uh, not always would say sorry. It just, right. yeah, it just like nothing happens. Yeah. And for me, this is a sign of um, being not only rude, but also unintelligent. Ah, okay. Yeah, because I, I, I would know, also I argue this... that it's unintelligent to say sorry to a lamppost when a British person <laughs> walks into one. I remember that story yeah. <laughs> of Harry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, um, I mean, when you in a um, supermarket or in a in a crowded place, and you you always touch someone, yeah, and I Do think you? it's it's okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> again, if it's a really crowded place, and if you just not just touch, but you kind or? of push, no, like with a shoulder to shoulder, you kind of push, yeah. or you know, in the underground, for example, You've got a budge. in the good word, budge, budge your way in, budge, yeah, budge. Yeah, oh, force yes, thank you. Yes, 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 absolutely. And you don't do that on purpose, but uh, for example, in the rush hour in the underground, yeah. it's nice to say sorry. Just, well, sorry. Okay. And you do that. You yeah. Do that. Yeah. I and think people are a little bit more grumpy on the commute and people work. But no, we would say sorry if we touched each other. Be, oh, sorry. Pardon. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, we would say that. Yeah, we, we don't you always don't. say that. Okay, but sometimes. So, sometimes. sometimes, yes. But but you want it more. There we go. Yeah. We can put it out there. Anya wants a bit more of apologizing in Russia. If you guys <laughs> yeah. ever see Anya, say sorry if you touch her face. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> and don't touch my face. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else yeah. that you noticed when you went yes. to Milam? Yes. Um I was very uh, angry, basically, with um, British <laughs> government or what, because I was missing some food that they couldn't find in the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> what were you missing? And uh, it was like a disaster for me because I love food. So I couldn't find, uh, I especially Googled this word because I didn't know this word, buck, buckwheat. Buckwheat, yeah. yeah, yeah, rare to find that. It's, it's rare to find that, especially um, around 2014, I would guess. Yeah, yeah but I, now I, yeah. we found it in a Polish supermarket. Okay, there we go. So good yes. tip. If you're looking for your buckwheat yeah. in England, head to a Polish supermarket yeah. or small yeah. um, uh, food store. Yeah, or grocery shop. Yes, buckwheat. and I also uh, couldn't find bread, like... Uh, you you have bread. bread. <laughs> I mean, in Russia, we have um, a brown bread and a white bread. Yeah, is I, it the I, same? I need to in, ask in... Anya: Were you in a supermarket yeah, okay. or were you just in like a clothes store? 
<laughs> I was in different supermarkets. You were in Primark asking for a loaf of bread. <laughs> I was in many yeah. supermarkets and they couldn't find this brown bread. Like we, you have. We have brown bread. We have white bread and we have brown Everywhere. Bread. We do. We do. I promise you. But obviously not the day that you went to that supermarket. Maybe, maybe. But it was, like, I remember that it was a yeah. bit of a problem. <laughs> so maybe that means that we do like white bread more. I like brown bread, but I know lots of my friends who don't know too much about nutrition, I will say. Uh, they like their white bread. Yeah. Yeah. So is it not common to have white bread in Russia? It is common. It okay. is. But you've got the it option. Is. Yeah. It just, I don't know, I just love bread. <laughs> bread and buckwheat. And buckwheat. <laughs> yeah. And apologizing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, another thing. Um, oh. When I was uh, in Bristol at school, learning English, yeah. and I was um, I was taken aback by some teachers and the way they behave, behaved in a good way. I mean, uh, so we uh, had these classes um, where we kind of had some free time so we could do our homework and ask questions uh, if we didn't understand something and so on. And during those sessions, teachers, they would come up to you and they would sit on the desk, not on the chair, or they wouldn't stand. They, they could uh, kind of behave, themsem- behave themselves um, in a more relaxed way, right. you know, like they're yeah. normal people. Okay. Normal well, so people. They, when, when you say sit on the desk, are you meaning like they, they like, lean against it or they actually get cross-legged in front of you? On the desk. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I mean, in the front no. table. In the front table. At the front of not the Not in the front table. No, no, no. In, not in the front of the classroom. Like where you sit. They could come up to you and they could uh, sit. I don't know how to say it, basically, even in Russian. Like oh, just a little bit. Like maybe lean. Yeah. When you say lean, what do you mean? With your arms or with your uh, legs as well? With or, your legs as well. Yeah, yeah. You kind of um, put your weight against little, it. Yes, so like this. Kind of and also, sitting. yeah, half sitting and also uh, with their legs on the desk, like crisscrossed legs sometimes. Uh, yeah, cross leg, cross legged, we say. Cross legged, that's a bit Cross legged. Yeah, they, that yeah. that seems peculiar. I feel like they should lose really? their job, <laughs> especially um, if they're a woman and they're wearing a skirt. That would get no, the, not the teenagers a, no, excited, no, no, no. wouldn't it? It was a young man, but it was not considered something um, rude, or he didn't behave rude. He was just so friendly, so yeah. he just wanted to be on one level with you and to explain you something. But the thing is that. Uh, I really like the way they feel relaxed, like normal people. Because uh, in most traditional uh, Russian schools, teachers, they should either uh, stand or sit. And uh, all children and teenagers, they also should sit and they can't stand without asking, and it, it's all it's all so strict. I don't like yeah. this because it's difficult for people 
maybe not for all people, but for myself, for example, it's different to focus on something when you are not relaxed, when you feel like like a strain, you know? <laughs> so, mm. I just can't yeah. think because I'm thinking about um, a teacher who is looking at me. Okay, is she moving? Why is she moving? Anya, stop moving, something like that. Right, yeah, yeah, I see your point, yeah. Remember that this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. Even though I haven't experienced the cross-legged mu- uh, thing much, I-, I think I remember sometimes they would get on the, f- the desk at the front and kind of be like trying to... Com- make it a more of a communal kind of sharing experience but uh, I definitely understand what you mean of course making it more like um, yeah relaxed uh, enjoyable atmosphere and and make it less about them being above you and more about um, trying to brainstorm some ideas or or create a learning experience that allows creativity to flow yeah so you you feel like in Russia it's still to this day quite strict Not in every school. It depends, again, in most schools. But we do have this um, new generation of schools, which are private schools mostly. And they, I believe, are quite expensive for the majority of our generation, not generation, for the majority of people. And... uh, atmosphere there is more enjoyable and it's more about pupils as people as human beings than about them as just learners you know so they can feel that they have their point of view and they can freely uh, say it out loud yeah and yeah. uh, teachers, yes, express yeah. themselves, yeah. And I'm happy that more and more schools like that good. appear good. in yeah. Russia. I, w- I would guess that the 50s, the UK was probably quite strict. I remember I've seen videos of um, like uh, during Second World War in the 30s uh, and 40s, sorry, um, they would have very, very strict situations where they were learning their times tables and it would be, you know, put the gas masks on and do your times tables in the bunker. I'm imagining that right now. <laughs> but yeah, things have progressed. And I'm sure uh, in Russia it's progressed since you were in school as well. Mm, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I'm not saying that teachers should behave as children and no. like uh, so that uh, children wouldn't respect them. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I just think that uh, learning should be uh, an enjoyable process where children don't think about being uh, about about the way, about their position, you know, where they focus on the process, on the task, 
Mm. And on their learning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. hear you. Yeah. I agree as well. And that's what you've dedicated a lot of your career to, isn't it? To to try and create a space for young learners to feel comfortable to express themselves and, and you know, enjoy learning. Yeah, yeah. And I talk about it to different experts and specialists and moms and teachers and educators on my podcast mm-hmm. and psychologists as well that, yeah, we should... Uh, we, we should uh, look at children from a different perspective, that they are also human beings, not just children that should, um, you know, listen only to adults and uh, obey you, but they are also human beings with their uh, likes and dislikes, with their opinion and, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds like you uh, or your daughter is very lucky. She's going to have a lovely mum to bring her up. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, in like when she hits the terrible twos, uh, two and three years old, I I wonder if you'll still be giving this message out to the world. (laughs) You won't believe it. stupid little kids. They should be told what to do. (laughs) I asked the same question my husband because I don't know. (laughs) Motherhood is interesting. (laughs) I bet. I bet. Yeah. So um, we're going to go on to part two and three. So, yeah, we'll see you guys in part two and three if you uh, join us there. But if not, thank you so much for listening. And thank you very much, Anya. Thank you. I hope that something was useful. (laughs) Most definitely. Lots of language there for everyone. Yeah. And uh, some insight from a Russian's perspective of the UK. So, yeah, I'll see you guys in part two with Anya. Don't forget that this podcast is available as a premium podcast, giving you manually edited transcripts, extended glossaries and flashcards. Also, if you wanted to dig even deeper, we have the Academy, which has exclusive videos going over the language used in the season based episodes, analyzing, giving examples, giving you the confidence to feel ready to go out and use that language yourself. And of course, we've also got the weekly speaking classes so you can practice it in a safe space, meet some like minded people and really build on the community in the British English podcast. For all of that, go over to the website, thebritishenglishpodcast.com. I also highly recommend that you get on my email newsletter because I keep you up to date with what's going on in my life, giving you a new email lesson every week. If that's not for you, make sure you grab the free worksheet for this episode and I will see you next time here on the British English Podcast. My name is Charlie. See you next time. Bye for now.